0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Driving Law. I am Kyla Lee at Acumen Law, and with me, my co-host, what? Paul Doroshenko.
1: And again, Wrigley, and this time he's in a barking mood.
0: Yes, he is. He has been having some tough days. Um, I think in part, you know, he's out of some of his pain medication, so maybe there's a little bit of pain coming back. I think also he is bored...
1: Well, he wants to get back to the office, and you've been uh, here taking care of him, and I've been uh, babysitting from time to time uh, when you've had to go to court, um, and uh, I'll be happy when he can get back into the office.
0: Yes, and week, bark during our hearings, and bark during our client calls, and bark at our staff.
1: I am thankful that the adjudicators at the superintendent of motor vehicles are actually, for the most part, seem to be happy to know that he's there and still healthy and they yeah. often will ask about his. Submissions. About his, <laughs> about his health and sometimes about his submissions. Yeah. You know?
0: um, yeah. Well, I mean, everybody likes dogs. People who don't like dogs, suspect.
1: You had a lot of uh, successes on immediate roadside prohibitions in the last uh, couple of weeks, wholly.
0: Yeah. This week has been pretty good. I've won quite a few so far. Yeah. A week is young,
2: well, tomorrow.
0: But Fridays are usually a decision day. Fridays and Mondays, because people get their IRPs. The twenty-one days comes up.
1: Decision has to be rendered. Well, we've noticed uh, quite a few successes on uh, a number of different issues, and I wonder if it's uh, if it's something to do with the uh, Supreme Court of Canada decision in Bro.
0: Oh, definitely. Um, but we're not talking about IRPs today, Paul. We are talking about new information that's come from uh, the B.C. government.
1: Oh, you're talking about the... Okay, well, it's not a new information. I mean, it's new information in the sense it was in, back in February.
0: They announced it in February.
1: They announced, yeah, the B.C. government announced that... Do something. Well, <laughs> they, they're they going to do something because they've got such a shortage of truck drivers in this province, and it's it's that much worse in certain jurisdictions where they need to have things delivered. Yes. like. Food and supplies and so forth. And
0: well, we see that especially right now with the problems with the number of the highways being shut down, communities being um, essentially like cut off from the rest of BC with flooding, which is only going to get worse.
2: But
1: back to the labor shortage, right? The one of the only places where unemployment is a little bit higher is in in central BC. Um, when you get, I guess you know, many people would say northern BC, but if you look at it on the map, it's central BC. So Prince George. So, there's an announcement, I guess, that's that's going to deal with this specifically. Yes.
0: So, a company based in Prince George that runs a trucking company um, is being given a $995,000 contract. A lot of money to conduct training to produce more truck drivers, essentially to um, train 24 people. Uh, including indigenous people, immigrants, and young people to help them secure long-term careers in trucking in that region of BC.
1: That's a lot of money for 24 people, really? That's like yeah. $40,000 per person? That's like an, the training of a nurse.
0: Yeah. You have, that's, it's, 40, yeah, forty thousand, forty-one thousand five hundred 41500 per person. But if you think about it, right, like you're, you. it's a lengthy training program. There's 15 weeks of skills training. That these people are getting. It includes um, mandatory entry-level training, seven weeks of on-job experience from local employers, and two weeks of follow-up support to help people prepare for their Class 1 driver's license exams. So it's a lot.
2: But that's a lot of money.
0: But 15 weeks is a long trade.
1: But part of the time you're just working.
0: Right. and but, I would imagine that it's much like, you know, like those paralegal training programs, and then they make you do an internship, and they don't pay you for the internship, which is really stupid. Um, but you pay tuition to do the internship. and we don't accept those students because I think that's unethical. Um, <laughs> the um, I, I suspect that it's like that. So I suspect that it's similar to that paralegal program in the sense that. The employers for those on job training periods are not paying wages.
1: Okay. Well, still, um, it's a lot of money, but uh, this is an area of the province that is underserved in this regard. And there's young people who don't seem to feel they have the same opportunities. So hopefully this is good. Yep. First chance course. for more drivers. First course starts Monday. Oh, there you go.
0: Monday in Williams Lake, then August 14th in Terrace, and then. For some reason, they're not doing anything until January 8th in 100 Mile House, which is really a weird time to do a trucking training course and skip, I don't know, September, October, good weather period.
1: Well, I'm sure there's other training in between there anyway, so that's good. It's going to spread it around. Yeah. And I guess part of the point is that they've got to put people up in hotel rooms, so there's where your money goes.
0: Well, I think it's they
1: so get to stay in a hotel in Williams Lake.
0: I mean, I think it's important that um that this happens because I mean, well, if we look at the Lower Mainland lately, for example, we've seen what was it, fifteen crashes of um vehicles into overpasses on the highways in like a one year period.
1: Yes. And as I'm driving beside trucks on the highway yesterday, uh, heading to and from Abbotsford, I was looking at how low some of those overpasses are and looking at the trucks and how tight it was going to be their clearance. And I'm terrified driving alongside them or behind them in those circumstances. Because, well, you, you know, we, you wouldn't see these things on video 20 years ago, but now they're all over the place.
0: Yeah, I was driving on the highway, picking my sister up from the ferry the other day. And the... Um, In the lane next to us was a big truck that would require a Class 1 license that was swerving in and out of the lane. It was driving, like, fully on the shoulder at several points. And when we finally passed it, looked at the front, and the entire front fender was held on by duct tape. That did not pass a pre-trip inspection.
1: Interesting. Okay. Well, so... Needed. We've talked about the cameras. Uh those are coming and speed limiters are coming. And um
2: But
0: we may want to start at the beginning.
1: But the interesting thing <laughs> that is like, like there's this huge trucker shortage, and I get that, but there's we're on the verge of having automated trucks, maybe. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I don't know if it's a long term career or not. Well, I, I often think that you know it's a career that attracts people who think that it's going to be easy to get into, like becoming a real estate agent. Everybody always thinks it's going to be easy to be a realtor. They think it's easy to become a truck driver and so they go in that direction. And it's not that difficult to become a truck driver, um, but it's, um, you know, it's, it's not uh, intellectually particularly stimulating unless you're listening to a lot of podcasts <laughs> uh, and it may not be something you want to do your entire life. Fair enough. And there's very scary moments. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, I just, uh, I think if maybe we would see less of these incidents if we trained people really well from the beginning, because you can get a class one license and then just go work for a drunken company.
1: Well, how often have you done a walk around of your car, Kyla, before you, you drive it?
0: Don't make me answer this on a public podcast. Uh, this, uh, we're going to get a Patreon and only my subscribers can know the truth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, infrequently. I mean, I do a little walk around in my car, but not every time. I always inspect it a little bit. I look at my tires and things like that, but. I
0: just assume that if there's a problem, the car will tell me because the, the <laughs> dashboard lights up with messages and then I take a picture of them and send them to you and go, help, I don't know what to do.
1: No, yeah, that hasn't happened in a long time. <laughs> well, it does happen. Yes. But, uh, you know, will it keep you from, uh, you know, running over something that's down below in the front of your car? <laughs> not necessarily. Kate Wrigley, you gotta not bark at us here. In any event, to some extent, this looks like a large S for a, uh, Prince George trucking company to, uh, have their employees paid for to be trained by the taxpayers, uh, at a uh, very expensive price. I'm not uh, opposed to the idea of training, uh, people. Of course, I'm all for education and more training in this regard. Um, and, uh, But scrutinizing the spending decision, I guess, uh, is always my issue. And I'm not always happy with the way governments spend money. Well,
0: I thought we'd move on to another interesting issue of people who are driving professionally. For work. For work. Uber drivers. And, of course, we talked a long time ago on the podcast of the Uber and Heller decision If you recall, uh, that was the case from Ontario where uh, the Uber drivers were trying to say that they were employees. And there was like questions about whether they could litigate that in court here. Very interesting conflict of laws issues. Um, But we haven't seen any sort of fallout from that. Like I thought after that that we would see more sort of challenges to Uber drivers as employees versus Uber drivers as contractors.
1: Yeah. So you've got this issue where Uber wants to claim everybody's a contractor and lots of businesses do that. Um, And um, the employees are looking at it and saying, well, we should have the benefits of the protections that are granted to people who are employees. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, of course, you know, what about what happens when you're injured at work? So, if you're driving for the purpose of work, a truck driver driving for a company and you're injured, uh, you can rely on the workers' compensation. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you are uh, driving for Molly Maid and you're going to the next uh, job site in the Molly Maid car and you have an accident, you You can can. get workers' compensation. Um, If you're driving to work, you're not going to get that. But if you're driving
2: for work, you can.
0: But... This is a very interesting case. It's an Uber driver whose name is Anand Sood. Uh, he was attacked on April 18th. And this, this went around in the media. This made sort of the rounds This story uh, about Mr. Sood, who the passenger basically told him he'd kill him, punched him in the head. You probably saw the video, if you pay any attention to local news. Mr. Sood called, the, called 911. The police apprehended the suspect. And,
1: and it was all on video because he yeah. had video in his car. Yeah, yeah. smart.
0: Unfortunately, he's not able to work as a result of the injuries. So he tried to file a worker compensation claim, like a WCB claim. Yep. And WCB denied him, saying that he is not eligible for the claim. And he figures, you know, I'm working for Uber. I'm an employee. Shouldn't I get compensation? shouldn't I be given money for being injured at work? Some
1: sort of basic protection that workers are provided, not the, you know, the cream of the crop, but that all workers have this protection under law, fought for. as part of the labor movement, and these are still people just working. Here they are.
0: But apparently, because Worksafe BC, for some reason, classifies Uber drivers as independent contractors, he's not getting any compensation. Which is very interesting. It's interesting that WorkSafe BC would take that position because I think they'd be better off to say, yeah, they are employees. By the way, Uber, you're not paying your WCB premiums for your thousands of employees in BC, so you'd better start paying those.
1: Well, just from an ethical point of view, you think like this is something that basically unions fought for. Um, This is something that, as I say, arises out of the uh, you know, the labor movement to protect people who are working. And we've got the government right now, the working man, um, person, but you know, the old sayings, um, and here they are taking a position to not provide help or assistance to a person who is just earning a living. Now, again, You take it from the other perspective, this is something that's an attempt to undermine that traditional relationship that Uber has set up. And the person who takes that job is doing so, knowing that this is an attempt to undermine the traditional relationship because you're going to have the benefits of being a gig worker.
0: Yeah, the flexibility of the gig economy is certainly attractive. I think I said on this podcast before that every once in a while I think to myself, maybe I could just drive for DoorDash in the
1: evenings. Yeah, just go do some Uber, uh, <laughs> drive for Uber,
0: Get sleep in the middle of the night, I'll deliver pizzas, you know? Like, uh, it's a stupid idea, I won't actually do it, don't worry, I won't be showing up at your doorstep listeners, food in hand. Um, but, it is, I mean, I guess if... WCB made the determination that he was an employee. Not only would there be big implications in the sense of, like, back dues that Uber would owe for all of its drivers, which the government tracks, so they would know who they are, Um, but also, like, CPP, MSP contributions, like, all of that stuff would be owed by Uber. And it could lead to one of two things. More likely, the, the... former than the latter. The first being Uber going, it's not worth it to run this business in British Columbia. We're out.
1: Somebody else would just set up and compete though.
0: Well, I mean, we have other and, other companies,
1: but... Somebody else would set up and do it.
0: But, you know, if you look at like all of those employer contribution costs that we get because we have like pretty good labor laws when we consider the world, um, pretty good labor laws here in BC. Um... It does make it hard for companies that, that want to set up and operate here. We see Nordstrom pulling out of British Columbia. We see, um, you know, they they shut down the Cardigo program because the cost of running it outweighed the benefits that they were making on the money for it.
1: Well, those are also business decisions that people make. Like, yeah, but Nord- who would
0: make the, deci- the, the business decision? Yes,
1: but I mean, Cardigo made the decision to switch from smart cars to mercedes uh vehicles whereas the evos are using toyotas well what's more expensive to maintain um the yeah uh, the the nordstrom didn't really advertise uh they just thought that people would flock to them the same way that target when they came to canada thought that we would just love them so much because they're american my oh boy
0: target energy.
1: so you know it's like walmart went to germany and they failed there. um similar thing so i mean it's a company would make that decision, but, uh, you know, a local company would, uh, would likely step in. Um, you know, I, I just think that, uh, Uber and every one of those companies has got so much money to lobby the government and so much money to put pressure on their members, um, that, uh, you know, it's a political operation, right. And they're doing everything to persuade them that that it shouldn't exist, but you would think that Uber would, make the decision in these circumstances to provide their own insurance for drivers who were... Well, they can't insurance, assaulted. Assaulted. Well, compensation. Well, funder. something, something, because, the you know, this happens. Plans. Sure. Um, something like this happens. I mean, people then, they have to manage it, which is the pain in the ass, um, which is why the government does a good job of those things. I mean, <laughs> to the extent that they, most people would disagree if they'd been through it, but... If you ever deal with government as we do day-to-day, you see how difficult it is for government to get anything done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the... Uh, and it's, I'm not blaming government. It's, there's all these rules that are, are out there. But the point here is that I'm surprised that Uber is going to let this thing go this direction. And with drivers around North America, right? I don't know if Uber's in Europe, but drivers around North America facing the same
0: well, problem. Well, here's the second risk then. that The cost... Of having to pay all of these source deductions for all of their drivers, having to pay the the um, co- healthcare contributions, having to pay the WCB premiums, that gets passed on to the consumer. And now Uber is not competitive when compared to taxis.
1: Well, that's the thing. Every company is looking for its competitive edge. And you, you know, if if we're all bound by the same rules, just like if we're all paying the same taxes. Taxes are you know hardly an issue really because you're all paying for them it's not your money it's going straight to the government but if somebody else has got some way to, to uh to pay less taxes then they've got the economic advantage and they can do more to uh uh to draw in more business to have more business and to and to crank it up
0: okay well speaking of something completely unrelated to cranking up business but definitely related to the failings of government <laughs> It's time for a McGracken moment.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, let loose the law and justice, Kraken, Eric Welcome to Weird and Wacky Wednesdays. I mean, uh, McGracken moment. This is the McGracken moment. All right, my Wednesday got weird and wacky because I was asked by Kyla Lee about whether when a plane falls out of the sky and hits a vehicle on a highway in British Columbia, whether those circumstances are caught by no-fault insurance. I spent most of Wednesday researching this. And the short answer is I don't know for sure. But it looks like it might be a no-fault claim. So here's the details. Section 115 of BC's Insurance Vehicle Act says if you're in a crash after May 1st of 2021, you can't sue for damages. And then there's a few exceptions. Section 114 of the Insurance Vehicle Act says who can and can't get these no fault benefits. And presumably the legislation is poorly worded, but presumably if you can get no fault benefits, you don't have the right to sue. And then section 116 says for people that do have the right or for people who do have the right to have no fault benefits, but can't sue, there's very limited exceptions to when they can sue. So, Drilling through all of this under section 114, it looks like if a plane hits your vehicle as you're on a highway, you can get no fault benefits. Under section 116, you basically can't sue a pilot if they strike your vehicle while you're on a highway. Now, there's some exceptions. If there's evidence of, you know, not just evidence, if there's criminal conviction, then you can sue for the pilot. And there's some exceptions under no fault of suing negligent mechanics and negligent vehicle manufacturers and things like that. But if we're talking about a negligent pilot striking your vehicle, it appears, and I'm I'm using this language because it's not clear, but it appears there's a strong argument that you can't sue that negligent pilot because of the very broad, wide net that our legislature cast when trying to... Protect ICBC's pocketbook by taking away the rights of crash victims to sue. So there's your weird and wacky Wednesdays. Cheers.
0: Okay, I got to say that this week, like, this is the most frustrating thing. I think that this is insane. I think it is insane that you can literally be hit by a plane and not have the right to sue.
1: I'm surprised how fast Eric turned around a blog post and his contribution to the podcast on this.
0: We I tweeted at him. I was like, serious question. And like three hours later, I had like the podcast contribution. I had like a a legal research memo for some reason. I had a blog post. I was like, wow, Eric, yeah. I mean, if if you had him as your lawyer, that's probably how efficient those are
1: how fast he gets his work done. Well, he was that efficient when he and I worked together. He got things done. And uh, sure enough, yes, it is uh, disappointing, um, but them's the rules we have, right? Now, and we'll see eventually, you know, the, the NDP will not be in, in power forever. Eventually the, uh, whatever they're called the United, uh, no, what the heck are they called? BC United, the new soccer team, um, will, uh, will seize the, uh, power in BC and, um, that might be frightening. We'll see who how right wing they are at the time. Uh, but uh,
0: I don't. I get a sympathetic. I I do not get a sympathetic ear from anyone in the BC United Party. Uh, it's just like, just they, they hate me, and my opinions and like the they NDP do. don't love me and my opinions either. I think they maybe liked me more when they were in opposition
1: because you used to feed them stuff. I mean, we used to.
0: I'm very left.
1: Current members of the government. Um <laughs> current members of the government we used to give information to from time to time. Yeah. Um, of course, you know, I did that for the BC Liberals back when I supported the BC Liberals to defeat uh the end of the Glenn Clark and Ujol de DeSange regime. And I would say that I met Ujol DeSange, he's a great guy. Um, but uh, I was glad that the government changed. But again, then I came out against them when it was Christy Clark because she was a horrible mistake for this. Month.
0: Okay. This is the Driving Law podcast, Paul and our listeners have stuck around long enough for this. Okay. The ridiculous driver of the week. the week. The week. The week. The week.
2: The reviews are in. This book has been a lifesaver. If you haven't bought a copy yet, I can't recommend it enough. Thanks to The Pinpoint Method,
1: I feel like I now have concrete strategies I can employ for difficult situations. Published by LexisNexis, cross-examination The Pinpoint Method is an essential addition to your bookshelf. Order now. I think you will
0: appreciate, because there is a Ukrainian connection.
1: One day you'll find it, the Ukrainian connection.
0: Yes. So a man in the Netherlands... Right. Has been arrested okay. for impaired driving, oh. and when he was pulled over, he produced a Ukrainian driver's license. Nothing wrong with being Ukrainian and of driving to the Netherlands.
1: Plenty of Ukrainians right now all over Western Europe, refugees, truck drivers.
0: But the Ukrainian driver's license had a bit of an odd name for a Ukrainian on it.
1: What's the first name? Boris. That's not that odd for Ukrainian.
0: Uh uh-huh.
1: huh. Yeah, it was a last name, Johnson. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. Well, look. I mean, uh, you know,
0: great name for a former prime minister, perhaps. <laughs>
1: um, well, I don't even think it was a good name for a former prime minister, but the um, necessarily, it's. Uh, I- I'm indifferent about the name. So, well, okay, all right.
0: I love that you like you have the gall to get a fake ID, and you pick like of all the names you could make up, like this is better than McLovin.
1: Well, the interesting thing is that Boris Johnson, of course, is uh, not, held in, not, 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 <laughs> not, not held in... Ukrainian? Uh, not. it's not Ukrainian, but he's not held in high regard in uh, much of the world and particularly in the UK. But uh, he is in Ukraine because he came out so solidly in favor of assisting Ukraine and making sure that... Uh, that uh, the UK has backed Ukraine and they've continued with that and, and yeah. I he turned me around on that basis. Uh Brexit was the worst thing that could happen to the UK um that I could imagine. But yes, Boris Johnson is a well, is, is a is a hero. Well yeah I know it it's their good. their election. They they made the choice. Yep. But mm-hmm. the uh point is that Boris Johnson is a hero in Ukraine.
0: Well anyway, the I love the the driver's license and I encourage everybody to Google this. You could just Google fake Boris Johnson driver's license has an actual photo of Boris Johnson, and not just any photo, like his official prime ministerial photo. Oh, I like w- you're not even gonna go dry.
1: I wonder if the uh, if this guy paid for that fake ID. I love it. If, anyway. if he knew what he was getting.
0: The worst part
1: probably thought that everybody was named Boris Johnson.
0: The worst part about this is this guy never uh complied with the breathalyzer test, so he's uh been arrested for uh impaired driving and refusing. Do you know his real name? Uh, Boris Johnson, of course. So we don't
1: know <laughs> but, but still don't know his real name's not a- um
0: his real name I don't think is in the
1: story. Um Do we know if he's Ukrainian even? Uh
0: I don't I don't know. I wouldn't know this. Um, but it had Boris Johnson's correct date of birth uh on it okay it's you know it's like as far as a forged driver's license goes it looks really good up until the photo put
2: a lot of work with, and the name.
0: And then you just pick a photo of a ukraine like why not even put your photo like it's plausible that there could be a ukrainian named boris johnson so many what
1: we so many questions kyla we'll yeah. never sort it out but uh, i want
0: was, answers he's a
1: ridiculous uh ridiculous driver yeah. presenting that driver's license
0: all right, well, that's our podcast. If you got in trouble for presenting a fake Ukrainian driver's license with the name of a former UK Prime Minister or any other driving law-related issue, give us a call at 604 685 or find us online at VancouverCriminalLaw.com and tune in next week for another exciting episode of Driving Law. Geez, Wrigley, I'm supposed to have the last word.